Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in every nook and cranny. At least we try to remember that with us rushing around like wild things, keeping everything show ready this week. Here, life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes entertaining. More about that later. Each week I cajole and tempt a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I'd ply them with cakes and coffee if we weren't all things digital, but they'd come and chat anyway. And we talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Yes, that's my English accent you're hearing, though I've lived in the Lone Star State half my life. I can't bring myself to say y'all yet. After the first break, I'll be welcoming Kate Hall, a homeschooler, adopter and blogger. So stay with me for a bit. I promise great things. I'm loving my high noon time. It gives me an extra hour to potter around so I can start my weekend as soon as I say goodbye. I've already had my elevenses while you weren't listening and I'm all set for an hour to dedicate just to you. So grab your nice hot cup of tea, coffee or chocolate and let me enthrall you with words about entertaining a dog, differentiating the days, retreats and family showers. So here goes nothing. My hair is no longer blue, you'll be pleased to hear. The trip to my hairdresser succeeded in banishing it all except for a few tasteful strands that escaped the tin foil of bleach. I've been busy, never a dull moment around here. Last week, I was off to a shower. My Liverpudlian friend from dinner club, reading group and critique's daughter is getting married in April too. It was a tasteful English tea with waiters and waitresses, little sandwiches, scones and clotted cream. The only thing missing were the hats. Lots of mini little tea parties in a magnificent home. The hostess was at my table and when she heard I kept clotted cream in my refrigerator, she was enchanted. There were a couple of good games which I nabbed to play on Sunday for my son and his fiancée shower, which went magnificently by the way, but more on that later. Don't want to use up all the hot water in one shower story, do I? One of the games was bingo, where little facts about the happy couple were imparted with a highlighted word to look for on the card. I loved that game, but didn't have a clue how I was going to make the neatly gridded cards with words printed inside each box and everyone different. But hey, I'm a homeschooler and nothing if not ambitious. I researched it a bit and found a website that was incredibly easy for me. Have you any idea what an ordeal making bingo cards would be manually? It was called Bingo Maker and all I had to do was key in 75 words or so and then click a few buttons and hey presto, I had 56 unique cards. I was so proud of myself. Dorts helped me mount them on pretty paper and we got to thinking... 
Once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler, as we ate our muffins and drank our coffee. We even played a dummy round just to make sure it worked. And so far, so good. And what does the upcoming wedding have to do with entertaining a dog? Absolutely nothing, but it contributed to my already busy days. Last week, a Scotty called Taffy came for dinner. I was making such a fuss of him. It's been years since I've had a canine in the house. I was petting him and talking to him, telling him what a lovely boy he was and asking him if he liked sweet and sour chicken. Then my girlfriend, who came with him for dinner, told me he was as deaf as a post. No wonder he was ignoring me and wouldn't turn around when I called his name. How do you communicate with a hearing-challenged dog? Sign language. And yes, some dogs can pick up signing, except they don't sign back, they just watch you. He needed to go outside after an hour or two, at least I decided he did, because I didn't want my carpets ruined. And since he didn't respond when I whistled, I broke up some crusty bread we'd had for our dinner in lieu of doggy biscuits, which I'd run out of just last week, and lured him out and into the garden. Nothing wrong with his eyesight or sense of smell. He was a sweetie pie, but my asthma came back after about an hour or two, so bye-bye, Taffy. Last weekend, our house officially went on the market and needs to be show-ready all the time. Our real estate agent prepared us for a busy two days, so we cleaned and put everything away that didn't make the house look magical, like dirty laundry in the bathroom hamper and trash in the trash cans. Goodness knows why they would be looking in those two places, but apparently they do. I went to a retreat on Saturday, imagining my gentleman thrown out of the house for most of the day. We've done all the cooking for dinner club that evening, the night before, so we were prepared to be nomads. And I got home at 4pm to find that no one, not one soul, had been round. But the house looked lovely. My retreat was good. It was held at St. Joseph's Catholic Church, where we go on a Saturday night. Large and moneyed congregation, so was almost as elegant as the tea party. The Knights of Columbus put on breakfast. In addition to the spread of pastries and muffins, they were making custom omelettes while you waited. I didn't want anything as hearty as that, so I had a fruit cup and coffee. Lunch was catered from a great restaurant I rarely go to. Lots of fresh produce, accompanied tastefully with chocolate chip and macadonia nut cookies. Enough about food. How was my spiritual hunger satisfied? Well, the retreat leader had been a nun for 48 years and she knew what she was doing as far as giving a presentation. I came away with all sorts of things to ponder. One of them, which, like the Scotty, has absolutely nothing to do with weddings, religion or spiritual direction, but caught my attention for some bizarre reason, was this little trivia fact that the average American spends 10 minutes a day outside. And that's between home and car, car and office, car and grocery store. And I thought, only 10 minutes? Man, a cigarette smoker spends more time in the outdoors than a healthy American. True. When we lived in England without a car, I suppose my blue-eyed cowboy and I spent several hours, if not eight a couple of times a week, outdoors. There's nothing like a good blast of fresh air, even if it is slightly polluted. I read somewhere in one of the magazines I got for Christmas that said the air fresheners and even candles we keep in our homes to make them smell sweet may be loaded with pollutants. Apparently it's better to open the window even just a hair for some fresh air instead of reaching for the Febreze, which I do every night, open the window I mean. Sister Melanie, our retreat directress, writes poetry, kindred spirit. So here's one of hers for you called Life is Short. Life is short, smile. Life is short, play. Life is short, savour. 
Life is short. Pray. Life is short. Relax. Life is short. Bend. Life is short. Wonder. Life is short. Befriend. Life is short. Apologize. Life is short. Dance. Life is short. Learn. Life is short. Give thanks. Life is short. Let go. Life is short. Forgive. Life is short. Love. Life is short. Live. She also gave us some thoughts on prayer to contemplate, and my favourite one was Merton once told me to quit trying so hard in prayer. He said, how does an apple ripen? It just sits in the sun. James Finlay. And I'm looking at my clusters of daffodils outside my office window, sitting in the sun, when it deigns to shine on my lowly patch plant, and waiting for them to burst forth in all their yellowness. They just sit and sit patiently while the cardinal family scurries around about, picking up seed and chirping. I love nature. I saw two owls recently in the bare branches. Clearly, they looked so heavy when they take off to fly through our back 40, but they make it. And according to our bird expert, my prospective daughter-in-law, they weigh all of two and a half pounds. They look heavier than that, don't they? And while we're thinking marriage, well, I did just mention my prospective daughter-in-law, the bird trainer. Want to hear a few quotations on love? Unless you love someone... Nothing makes sense. W.H. Auden. A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Robert Quillen. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Martin Luther King. About this last one, my Texan and I were doing our morning devotion together and in it we were charged to love our enemies. The author said we don't have to seek out our enemies. There are plenty around us who probably qualify for the title. <coughs> and I asked, who is my enemy? And we talked about far-flung ones that are not personally acquainted with us, evildoers, terrorists, etc. But I wanted to know who in our street, in our circles of friends, was our enemy. And my blue-eyed man suggested there were times when our close family could be our enemy, but we love them and want to make the relationships work. So a lot of forgiving goes on there too. We honestly couldn't think of any personal enemies. We remembered a time at the theatre when things got really tense with the management and those years were pretty bad when certain people were around. And at work too, when we worked in offices, but those days are behind us now. And the only outside truck we have with people are friends and family who love us. We have no situations where enemy feelings may be harboured or show themselves and we both considered ourselves blessed. Now for shower number two. Our family shower on Sunday was fantabuloso. I was humbled by the feeling of community. Beloved friends and family whom we'd known for 28 years or less gathered to help us celebrate the upcoming nuptials of one of our sons with good wishes, good food and softly flowing chocolate fountain. I had some games at the ready, the bingo, and our MC star barista ran them effortlessly and glamorously. I sat with my reading group, on the stairs, having the best seat in the house as we watched the happy couple open their gifts from the gallery just below us. And this was the first time all of my peeps from all the groups I have had got together, and some of them overlapped without me even knowing. They knew each other maybe from places of work or leisure. For me, the overwhelming impression was one of everyone rooting together to make sure our son, our son, 
had a happy send-off into married life, and each and every one of them will be there at the wedding. So the support continues and brings us closer and closer together as we cheer the youngsters in their upcoming union. Dinner club this week or last Saturday was in Belgium. There isn't anything outstanding about that country as there was when we visited Italy or France or Germany. No costume jumped out at me like a beret, you know, for France or lederhosen for Germany or Gucci. Is that Italian? Intrepid, if not always tactful, I wore a button my blue-eyed cowboy had made for me with a line through the initials EU because Belgium's the capital of the European Union and Britain wants Altski. But the Belgian waffles were good, so were the French fries and mayonnaise. Who knew those were from Bruges? And the mussels and stewed beef, the sole and the leeks and Brussels sprouts. Surprise, surprise. There were salads and heavenly chocolates. Of course, diamonds are connected to Belgium, as are lace, Tintin and the Smurfs. My little bits of blue hair qualified me to be a, what, a token Smurf. And it looks like it's break time already, so I'm off to grab another cuppa, and I'll be back with my guest in just a sec, so don't go away. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest today is Kate Hall, a funny writer after my own heart. She has one husband and three children, ages eight, seven, and three, all adopted from China, not the husband, and all born with cleft lip and palate again, not the husband. She homeschools, and when she's not answering bizarre questions and wiping poop off the walls, she makes up for her lack of adult companionship by blogging at Can I Get Another Bottle of Wine with My Morning Quiet Time. Welcome to my show this afternoon, Kate. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on my show. You know, I noticed you by the title of your blog. And I just loved it. And I thought, oh gosh, who is this person? And um, just delightful, delightful and funny um, blog. And so 
I wrote to Kate, I sent her an email and I said, your funny blog on my great radio show or whatever. And that was a few months ago. And that little that little um, subject line has remained the same in all the times that we've been back and forth with one another. And um, finally, she is here to chat to me. And we're going to talk about a little bit about homeschooling, about blogging, um, about life and about adoption. But first off, Kate, tell me just a little bit about yourself, where you live, and perhaps you have um, a husband story, how you met your husband? Yeah, we uh, we live outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, my husband interviewed me uh, yeah. for a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was living in Ohio at the time, and I was looking for a job in Chicago. And he was on a panel of four people that interviewed me. Mm-hmm. So that's how we met. We didn't date for another two years, but... Um, but that's how we met. So, so what, kind of, what job was it? Uh, I, he works in food safety, and I, that's what I was doing at the time. Ah, okay. And you got a degree in food safety? Uh, biology and nutrition. Biology and nutrition. Okay, well, that sounds interesting. So what, what do you mean by food safety? Choking hazards or contamination? Contamination, okay. yeah. Going into restaurants and making sure that food okay. is safe. Okay. You know, that is really funny because... In England, my brother has two boys, and he takes them out to eat at every other weekend when he has them at Ikea. He goes to Ikea, and he actually, you know, and I'm, I look at my husband, and I go, you know, I really would not choose. I wouldn't say, hey, hey, honey, let's go to Ikea for lunch today. You know, that just it doesn't. But we read something today, or my husband did, and he said, they've been had for putting, um, using horse meat I heard and that. <laughs> One of my friends sent me an email about it just today. And that is so, I thought, oh, I can't wait to email him and say, had any good horse <laughs> meat recently, you know? And, uh, but I see people doing that at Sands too. You know, you sort of, you look over and there they are sitting at their table. Tell me if you do this. You might do this. I do that. Eating pizza. <laughs> yeah. Is it really good or something? Why? It's Why do cheap. people do that? <laughs> oh, it's cheap. Okay. Because I look over and it's really not the atmosphere just is awful, right. isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's not a cozy restaurant-y type atmosphere. Definitely not a pizza parlor type atmosphere. And I see no. these families sitting over there and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's cheap. I'm sure okay. it's good a, as well. A giant yeah. piece of pizza for... Uh-huh. I don't know, like a buck fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I know they've got the drinks. My kids used to say, "Can we have a drink, Mum?" And I'd go every now and again. I'd say yes because I was one of those mean mums that wouldn't let them do that, except very special occasions. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. But I liked that IKEA story. So you would go in and you would double check that kind of stuff. I mean, would you be able to tell whether it was horse meat? Um, you know, it depends. If it came from you know wherever it was um, made, mm-hmm. then no. I don't, I don't think so, but they, they, they go into uh, restaurants and check to make sure that the employees are washing their hands and not cross-contaminating things and, you know, that they're using um, the best practices. And it, it's, it's like the company, um, actually, the restaurant hires my husband's company, and then they go in to make sure before the health department gets there. Okay. So that's, that's kind of how it works. Okay, so, so chain restaurants will hire your husband's company? Correct. Like McDonald's? Correct. Yeah, okay, okay. And do, 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 does his staff or do the people go in undercover? 
Uh, sometimes, if that's the way the restaurant wants it. Oh, okay, okay. Otherwise, you're you're upfront about it and say we're coming in just to you know check everything for you. It's it's like an insurance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they don't get shut down by the authorities. Okay, yeah, so well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, so I used to go in and do that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. And then you got married and started having children, so now you don't go in and do that kind of thing. Right. I actually, in between, I worked at a church. I was a church secretary for a while. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and then when we adopted our first son, then I quit and stayed home. Yeah. Um, does it make you worried about eating out? Um, not really. No. No. Just get over it. <laughs> no. Sometimes my husband will say we're not eating at a particular restaurant because he knows something. And he I'm like, knows. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's the most common thing? that you see in a restaurant kitchen that you've gone into that is violating some kind of health food, health code. Um, boy, I think probably, you know, people that handling money without, uh, and then food, yeah. you know, not washing their hands. That's yeah. probably, I mean, I don't, I actually don't pay attention to a lot of stuff and I do because, you know, you have to be kind of back in the kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. I don't see a lot of it. Yeah, so just leaving stuff out or picking stuff off from, up from the floor and just plonking it back down again. Yeah, that would be really bad. <laughs> it would be really bad. I, you know, I think my mother always imagined that people people did that because they never ate out. And consequently, whenever they did eat out, they invariably got sick because uh, they had never eaten out. So they really didn't get that that kind of immunity of immunity <laughs> all those extra germs okay well this show is supposed to be about homeschooling not about restaurants and contaminated food but that's very interesting because i think it, it kind of helps you um understand just how important it is to even keep your own kind of kitchens clean and and yeah. um, not contaminated so so that's good all right so you met your husband mm -hmm. um when he he interviewed you and you didn't start dating for a couple of years and um you got married and you adopted your first son immediately. I mean, had you decided this is what you were going to do or did you find out that you couldn't have children? Why did you decide to adopt? Yeah, we started to try to have children and it was like um, probably a year mm -hmm. and I was getting impatient. I think I talked to our to my doctor and they suggested to seeing a fertility specialist. So we went to see the doctor and then you know, we went like, I don't know, a couple times and I was like, why are we doing this when there are so many children that don't have a home? You know, why are we, you know, breaking our necks to try to give birth to a child when we could just adopt a child? So that was, um, so we kind of, we didn't really get into the whole fertility thing. It was like we started and then we just moved on to adoption. Mm -hmm. And did you know other people who had adopted or? I mean, why? Was your church uh, heavily my, supportive of adoptions? And, yeah, my, my husband's brother was adopted. Okay. And, although, and, and he has, my husband has some cousins that were adopted from Korea. Um, that, that's about it, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so China? Uh-huh. So why did you choose China? Was China a place you'd be, had you ever been there? No, we we looked at all the programs at the time, and China was seemed like the most straightforward, uh, direct. There weren't there wasn't money exchange being exchanged under the table, you know that kind of thing. So um, it seemed like the most ethical of yeah. all the programs. So that was, and it was also the least expensive and the shortest waiting time. 
Okay, so a particular city or anywhere in China? How how does that work? Um, yeah, it's anywhere in China. You okay, just good. yeah, you just um, you know sign up, and then typically what they used to do it's it's changed now, but they used to um, match you match the couple with a child, and but now it's it's primarily because that that when we started it was a six month wait. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a six-year wait, maybe even eight years. So it was progressively getting longer as we were waiting. And so after a year of waiting, we decided to try the, the waiting child list. And so now it's almost exclusively waiting children that are being adopted out of China. So waiting children means they're probably a little bit older? What does, what does that mean? Uh, they could be older. They could have some kind of um, issue like... Um, like our children were born with uh, cleft lip and palate. They might have heart issues, mm-hmm. some kind of, um, you know, something that needs some kind of medical attention. So do you know, you've got the three children that you've adopted. Do you know anything about their parents? No. Any, no. So you have no prior medical history on them or? No. No. Nothing. And and so how old was your, your oldest is now eight. So how old was was he when you adopted him? He was just shy of two years old. Oh, really? Yeah, and he had been in the orphanage since, almost since birth. Really? Yeah, he was, they estimated he was a couple days old. And so are they orphans or are they abandoned? Um, they were abandoned. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I would imagine they're not orphans. Their yeah, birth yeah. parents are out there someplace. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And the seven-year-old, the same? Uh, yeah, he was two and a half. Mm-hmm. We adopted him, and my daughter was almost three. So she'll be four next month. All right. Um, so you adopted each one individually. You didn't get the, the first two at the same time. Right, yeah. We went back. We've been three been times. Three times. So that's what happens. So you get you get your child matched with you either from your waiting children list or if you want to do it another way, it's going to take six or eight years. Yes. Yeah, if you want a if you want a quote unquote healthy child infant or or young child, then you're going to wait six to eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, once that process has, has happened, where is the I suppose the visas issued in China for the child to be able to come back to America? Or how yeah, that's I think that's in Guangzhou. I can't remember exactly where everything occurred. I mean, we we spent a week in Guangzhou, at, so it was a week in the province where our children. Um, lived and then a week in Guangzhou to that's where the American consulate is okay so so it's all set up it's all organized so when you go there you're just there for a a few weeks and then you can return with your child yeah yeah they even have like the day um you know it's like you almost always get you know meet your child on a Monday Mm -hmm. and it's like you know and then you leave your city on a Friday get to Guangzhou and and then you leave Guangzhou the following Thursday, usually, or usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So it's it's almost always the same. Yeah. So yes, so well organized. Yes, very well organized. Now, do you um, do you help your children? Do you teach them about their Chinese culture? I mean, do you know a lot about that, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, we actually built a Great Wall of China today. <laughs> you did? You did? Yeah, I had a, a kit that I had found at Hobby Lobby, and mm-hmm. it was, uh, like, made out of cardboard. So we they, they are coloring They're in the process of coloring it, and uh, 
yeah, I put that together with them today. So we, yeah, part of our, we're doing galloping the globe as part of our homeschooling. So we've been studying China for the last two weeks. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they already know a lot about China because, you know, any opportunity, any opportunity that we get to talk about China, uh, we take it and we take them to Chinatown in Chicago and, and things like that. Read a lot of books on China. So. Well, Kate, we have to go on a short break now. I'm talking to Kate Hall, and we've been talking about um, her adoption, uh, her adoption of three children from China. And after the break, we will come back and we'll talk a little bit about her homeschool. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Togginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, we're back, and I'm talking to Kate Hall about her her adopted children from China. We were just talking about today she had built a Great Wall, the Great Wall of China with them, and they're currently coloring that in. And um, Kate, tell me, any opportunity you have, you talk about China with your children, is that right? Correct, yes. And you also took your two boys with you um, this last time when you went to adopt your daughter. Yeah, that was that was huge. Now, okay, so I can imagine that because they would be young and excited. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And um, first time that they can remember going back since they yes, were, yes. Okay, yeah. Because we took my oldest son back to adopt um, my other son, but he didn't remember any of it at that point. He was only three and a half. Mm-hmm. So, do they speak any Chinese at all? No, <laughs> they know a few words and they, they learned some when we went, um, you know, cause I was using Rosetta stone to, to learn some before we went to adopt my daughter. Mm-hmm. So they learned some, um, but they couldn't have a conversation no. with anybody. No. And so instead of doing a, a whirlwind, um, you know, sort of adoption, did you stay and spend some time sightseeing, visiting? Yeah. Well, you're, you have so much downtime when you're, uh, in the adoption process that they build in the adoption agency builds in sightseeing and touring. Oh, okay. So we did a lot of that. And then we also, well, we, on the front end, we went to Shanghai, which we hadn't been to before. And then on the back end, we went to Hong Kong, which we had been to before, but I loved it so much that I wanted to go back again. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we got to see those. 
So how do you find China compared to America? Um, it's, it's so different. Yeah. <laughs> it's so different. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, the people are different. They have different, um, manners. You know, we were, I was just discussing like staring with my kids today. Cause my son was saying how he doesn't like that. My daughter stares at him and we were saying how that is so normal in China. Like everybody stares and they were staring at us and, you know, it wasn't like they were trying to be rude. It was just, that's just what they did. And yet here, you know, you can't, you can't stare at people. That's, that's rude. So, um, you know, there was a lot of staring and it's, it's dirtier. Um, yeah, it's just so different. It was, it's, you know, and it's more, um, it's a little behind, you know, like where we are in America. I, like when we went to Hong Kong, it was like, I felt like, Hong Kong was almost like being in Man- Manhattan. Like you feel mm-hmm. like you're just in a large city where I didn't really feel that so much in, you know, the heart of China. It it's, feels, um, gosh, I don't know what the word is for it, but it, it just, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I interviewed a lady who'd taken a year off and taken her twin girls out of school and they were, her and her husband were going to go around the world and they budgeted it and organized it. And, you know, they saw, oh, I don't know, countless countries and stayed two or three weeks, sometimes a month in, in places and took lessons and took classes. And I said to her, okay, of all the countries you visited, um, which was the one that was least like the American culture, expecting her to say somewhere in Southeast Asia, like China or Thailand or somewhere and she said India now for me being English (laughs) India (laughs) would be more the the, because we have so many Indians in London and so many part you know the they going even into their homes you know you see a lot of India going on inside these normal little suburban English houses and so I would not have thought that, yes, okay, you've got all these saris and you've got the the cows go walking down the streets, but I would definitely have thought that China would be the most different. But she Mm -hmm. said India, but I'm glad you're saying that you've, because you probably, unless you've just been to Hong Kong or just to a very modern city, maybe, well, well, you said you went to Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, we've been to Beijing and Shanghai, and then we went to all of the provinces where our kids uh, were born. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even, I mean, there's just so many people in China. It's yeah. their small cities are, are like <laughs> what they consider a small city is like 2 million, yeah. 7 million even. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy how many people are, are living there. And is it pedestrian, very heavy pedestrian? Um, it is. Yeah. I mean, they, they, not in the major cities, but it, it's, it's still more than, than here. I mean, there's not, they don't have suburbs, you know, there's no, it's like you've got the city and you've got the country. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, and the farms, there's no suburbs. Yeah. Really. So did you get out into the countryside at all? Yeah. When we went to, uh, particularly when we went to, for our second, um, visit to get our second son, uh, we drove, we took a four hour drive each way mm-hmm. to his, um, to where his orphanage was, and it was uh, very rural there, mm-hmm. uh, just that, you know, you're dr- just driving through field after field and, and just seeing, you know, they didn't have tractors. It was all, you know, like, like it would have been like a hundred years ago here, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was very fascinating and just to see the way that they live there. So in different parts of the world, I know that there are parts that look like I grew up in the Middle East and there are parts of America that look like parts of the Middle East if you go out in the desert and that. So, I mean, the physical attributes around the world, you can kind of compare. Oh, you know, so what when you're going through rural China, how would you where, where in America could you compare it to? Oh, probably Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just farms and, yeah. and, uh, is it you know, I mean, I guess the rural part. Yeah. yeah. What? Is it pretty? Um, you know, I think that the, the, where we were, it wasn't so pretty. I've seen pictures of China where it's gorgeous, yeah. but where we were, it was, you know, you had the, the highways and then the farms and, I mean, I guess the farms could be pretty, but, you know, not really. <laughs> but isolated, no villages, yes, or villages, and, I mean... You know, we didn't really see any villages. We just saw the farms, and then you'd have, like, a house, yeah. a very small house, yeah. and then another farm and another small house. Yeah. So really nothing like here, you know, you kind of jump in your car and go to your nearest town and go to the grocery store and get everything you need and yeah, get no. away with it, no. All right. Well, you so you've adopted three Chinese children, and then you decided to homeschool them. So, mm-hmm. anybody in your family was homeschooled? Why did you make that decision? No, nobody. I didn't. I don't think I even knew anybody that was homeschooled. I I had um, taken an interest in it. Um, you know, I think even like before I had kids, before I was married, even I think because I struggled. Um, in high school, especially just, I had no interest in learning what they wanted me to learn. Mm -hmm. And I would fall asleep in history class. And it was just, you know, it it was, wasn't, it was boring for me. Mm -hmm. So I was interested in, you know, giving my kids, um, an education where they could kind of learn at their own pace and learn whatever really interested, interested them. Mm -hmm. And, and also I didn't really start, like I took an interest in reading and education when I got out of college. So I realized that I, I liked learning through books. So that was really what I wanted to do was just read as much as I could with my kids. And so you didn't even put any of your children in school just for a, you know, a year or mother's day out or anything like that. You just kept them at home. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've considered sending my daughter to preschool just because she's, she's a handful. (laughs) So, and I, I think she would do well with the uh, with the social interaction, but you know, the, having that every day. But I don't know. I probably won't. But yeah. it, it's it's past. It's crossed my mind. Yeah. Well, they crossed my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when I go, "What the heck am I doing?" You right. know? And uh, I know my first day it was just awful. I mean, it was just a total meltdown because I don't know. I expected such great things. Right. It just didn't happen. But I think when you homeschool from the beginning, maybe you can kind of ease into it better. But I'm not an ease into kind of person. I'm Uh kind of all or nothing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am too. And so I've had to learn, you know, I mean, even just today, my son was like really having a hard time doing his, like he had to write out um, the numbers from zero to 100. And he was just, he was struggling way more than he ever does. And I'm like, okay, you know what, just do two lines and then we'll work on something else. And so 
it's like, you know, I was starting to get frustrated, but then I realized, you know, this is not normal for him. Let's, let's take a break. And so we're just slow down and go at his pace. And so you use a curriculum, you mentioned something about Rosetta Stone. So, um, do you use a curriculum? Yeah, we we're using Galloping the Globe, which is, um, you know, for history and, well, not really history, but geography. And so we're really, we jump around and study the culture of a different country every week. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that's like, I guess, our geography and, and, and stuff like that. But then we'll also tag science into it and maybe study an animal or, or some kind of, um, um, well, something that is from that particular country. Mm-hmm as far as science goes. And then, uh, you know, and then we use something, we use a, we have a separate math curriculum and a separate handwriting curriculum. And, and then we're using sunlight for, for, our, um, to learn to read. So <laughs> we're kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was too. I started off with Calvert, which sent you everything in a box right down to the last eraser and pencil that you would do <laughs> that whole year. It was fantastic. And, um, but I got so, I got paranoid because there were tests every month. There was a test on the work that they were supposed to have covered for that oh. month. And so I was, I felt pressured to get the work done so that they could do the test. I mean, I didn't consider that they couldn't take six or eight weeks before they took the test. You know, I'm kind of uh-huh. going, this is what it says in here right. in the teacher's manual. So this is what we have to do. And after a year or so, I decided, oh, I could piecemeal all this together. I relaxed quite a bit and then over the years I relaxed more and more and more uh-huh. because each child is so different you know? yeah yeah and uh, they've all turned out fine <laughs> <laughs> and I speak to so many different kinds of homeschoolers that I think gosh if I ever do this again like with grandchildren I'll be a total unschooler I just know yeah yeah. yeah I know I'm, I probably I, I can see myself ending up there <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you find time to write? Because that's where I first found you is on your blog. I, you know, I, I try to have a quiet time every morning and, and uh, do my Bible study. And then I'll usually lead into writing something there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have writing prompts that, um, you know, that, that these different blogs share. And so I'll try to get, you know, I try to think of them mm-hmm. like kind of, you know, any time in the week and then, um, come up with an idea. And then the, I think the big time that I write is I take like every two weeks I go to Starbucks or Barnes and Noble for about three or four hours and I just write and write and write. So that's probably where I get most of my writing done. Yeah. Well, you talk about those writing prompts and when I first looked on your, on your blog, you had that 30 day challenge. Okay. Uh. So you've got all these, all these things in there and I thought, Oh, gosh, that sounds really good because I like to challenge myself. I belong to a writing group and, you know, I always take something regardless whether anybody else does or not. And I challenge myself to write in different ways. So I thought, okay, I can have a go at this. So I just started at number one, (laughs) 10 random things about myself. Well, you know, I could come up with maybe seven or eight and it was difficult to come (laughs) up with it. So I'm still working on that. So it's taken me a month so far, but I really want to do it. I really do want to kind of link with other bloggers and do something like you, you've got, you've got a caption one, you know, caption this or finish that sentence. Uh And those are great. I, you know, I, I love doing that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm amazed at how many um, you know, friends I've made blogging. Yeah. 
I mean, I know, yeah, it's like, I mean, because I've, I've got some girlfriends that we, you know, will exchange emails and talk about, you know, the deeper stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you don't really talk about in blogging. And then we'll also talk about our struggles in the blogging world. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, Kate, we have to go on, on another break, um, but I'd like you to come back for about another five or six minutes because I want to talk more about the blogging and, and, and the humor. So um, we're just going on a short break and we'll be right back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Kate and I are back, and um, we're going to be talking now a little bit more about her blogging, and she said that she uses some writing prompts from other people um, on the, in the blogging world, which I really haven't got into yet. I mean, I enjoy blogging and it keeps me really accountable and grounded. It makes me write a little bit of something about something every single day. So, you know, I've been doing it for about three years now and I have, I have a load of stuff and uh, that I've forgotten about. You know, do you write about things and then when you go back and read them, you go, gosh, I forgot that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because yeah. you, you write some good stuff about, about what happens in grocery stores and, and with your, um, with your yeah. children. Yes, I, 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 like, I like all of that. You have a, you have a good eye. <laughs> Thank you. A good eye for stuff. Okay, so, um, all right, you have something on your blog that you let people, how do, how do you know what's your most popular blog or what, what's the one that, can you tell just by how many times people have hit on it? Yeah, you, can, you know, there are stats on the blog, and uh, there's a uh, there's different um, places where you can get your stats checked, like Stat Counter is what I use, or Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I don't know. It's like hard to tell because sometimes I might have a really good title, and so people come to see the title, but then maybe they don't enjoy the post so much. Mm-hmm. So. I tend to go by my comments, the comments that I get on that post. And if people are saying, oh, that is so funny or, you know, then I, then I know that, that it's a good, a good post. So do you post every single day? Oh, no, (laughs) no, I could, I, I post at least three times a week, Mm -hmm. usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then if I have extra time, I'll do a Tuesday or a Tuesday, Thursday. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. do you, did you th- I, I also started doing just this past week, a, like a weekly wrap up. Yeah, on, I noticed that. So but how are you going to get people to read your full thing if they can go there? I, I don't know. I'm hoping I, I said, forget what I said and just go and read, read every day. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I guess it's more just to, to get people, you know, familiar with my stuff. So if they're too busy, I'd rather them read the highlights mm-hmm. than, you know, not read at all. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, so do you schedule any of your blogs or do you actually sit down there and, and write them in real time? Uh, I, I rarely schedule because I'm, you know, it's hard to find the time. Like I will take that, that time at Barnes and Noble and, you know, write down a rough draft, but then it takes me a while to actually get that into my blog and I have to put pictures in usually. So, so that takes, um, it, it's usually like down to the wire. Like I'm posting, you know, for the next day and it's, it's like 10 PM. So I know. And we say these things about ourselves, you know, down to the wire. Well, who's wire. I mean, who's going to come and hit you over the head if you don't get it. posted? Right. Right. And I have to keep reminding myself that. Yeah. My own pressure I put on myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So does your husband like your blogs? Yeah. He, does- he reads all of my, my posts before I post them. Oh, he does. Yeah, I, I'm like, I need somebody to proof them just, you know, for spelling errors and everything. And then also just to make sure that it is funny, like what I think is funny yeah. is and not <laughs> because there have been a couple and he's like, this is not funny at all. And so I just like, okay, I just didn't post it at all. Yeah. So, so. does something funny go on in your house today? What you were, you were building the, the wall of China? Don't you know, how did yeah. you do it? What did you make it out of? Uh, we, we had a kit, so it, it was like a like cardboard planks mm-hmm. and we I we put those together and you're supposed to put it together and then color it so yeah. so that's what we're doing I, I think the funny thing that happened today was like before I, I made dinner because my kids go to Awana on Monday night and I'm supposed to have dinner ready at 5 15 but I messed up the time and thought it was 5 45 but that's the time they're supposed to leave so my husband walks in the door and he's going to take the kids to Awana and I'm like well there's no dinner because it's not ready and I had like completely messed everything up so like right before you know we were doing the interview I was you know wolfing down my food trying to trying to get it finished so Mm-hmm. that's, you know, how things run in my house, I guess. <laughs> oh, I think it's how things run in most people's homes, you know. Yeah. Everybody, we were talking, I don't know, I've been so busy these last three or four weeks. I've got my youngest son is getting married, so I'm going to become a mother-in-law for the very first time. And I'm kind of excited, but I'm, I don't know, it's stressful. I'm telling stressful. Uh-huh. And so I am so, so busy that... um most of the time right now, I just don't know whether I'm coming or going. And more things seem to be added to my plate. Like, for example, you know, this three-day job that I've got at the end of this week. So I'm thinking, oh, so, okay, I usually have a whole week to prepare for my show. And I've given myself, like, a few hours this afternoon to prepare for my show. But, um, yeah, so, and people think that your life is just so great and so amazing and <laughs> so together and if they only knew behind the scenes what goes on, it's just it's just that front that you you present to the world. But, right. uh, you know, I know, yeah. yeah, behind the scenes. I try, I try to share those like the reality of mm-hmm. it. I think that that's you know where a lot of my humor is is just sharing that this is 
this is what it really looks like. You know, it's not, I'm not put together at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I, sometimes I try to pretend I am. <laughs> well, yes. And, and we do that. We do that. We have, we have our narrative. Our priest was talking about narratives. You know, we all have our own little stories. And I thought, yeah, what's your narrative? And, you know, trying to get rid of the narrative and just being real out front. Right. It, would be, it would be, I don't know, what would that look like if everybody was real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. And we really don't have time to explore that today because we've come to the end of our time. And Kate and I have been having this great little natter. Um, she initially started blogging as a way to share her and her husband's adoption journey, which we talked about with her family and friends. But then she eventually let the comments about how funny her blog post were go straight to her head and she made the transition from adoption blog to humor blog so kate hall can be found at can i get another bottle of wine with my morning quiet time and she writes on a variety of topics including her husband's makeout tape scatterbrained mummies 80s fashion trends she failed at and every other day every day other things gosh i can't even say that today. Um, So if you want to go and read Kate in all her glory, go off to her her blog. If you can't remember what the name of the blog is, because it is rather long, just type in Kate Hall. You'll find her. And um, thank you so much, Kate, for joining me. And you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Bye. Homeschooling, in case you haven't noticed, is fantastic and most of us knew no one who homeschooled before we picked up the baton and ran for it, did we? Homeschooling also blends the days one into the other like a carefully folded egg white. When I first started keeping my little ones at home, I wondered how I was going to differentiate between the days. When I worked at Ticketmaster, I always had a calendar on my desk. We planned for events that were months in advance, having staff meetings to deal with concerts and shows occurring in the immediate area, staffing them, building seating charts for them on the computer and putting them on sale. For several hours a week, I'd be living in the future and then I'd re-enter my office and the present would jump up and lick me on my face, just like the Scotty. I had to know what day of the week it was, otherwise I would miss important on-sale dates and get caught unprepared with my tie askew and more than likely lose my job. I had a date book I carried everywhere with me, a desk calendar at home and at work, and they were all synced. How I would have loved my iPod back then. When I gave all that up to stay at home and have the children stay at home with me, all of a sudden days and dates lost their significance. Reflexively, I knew when the weekend was. Even the dog knew that we slept a little later on some days and all left the house early one morning, a week dressed and ready to go somewhere more than a romp and a roll at the park. By looking out of the window or taking the air when I walked or rode a bike, I could sort of tell the season we were in, but I was useless on remembering dates and times and didn't really have to unless we scheduled something or we had an appointment or a meeting or a play date, but I didn't want my days to blend. I needed routine to a degree, although my mother-in-law had suggested I not have one. What was stopping me from allowing the children to get up when they wanted to, to dress or not, to start school when they were ready, do it piecemeal as each child showed up at the table and snapped on the ball and chain. I knew I couldn't operate like that, and I know a lot of homeschoolers who do, not wanting to inflict their will on their children, but that was not for me. I felt, having been born in Germany and living the first six years of my life there with parents who were very old school and abided by the rules, that I needed a certain amount of rigorous regimen to raise our children. 
once raised and sprung from the basement, they could decide how they were going to take their upbringing and make it their own. I ditched a lot of my parents' rigour and allowed my children free run of the house, reminding myself that if I was careless with my treasures, they may well get broken by a three-year-old who couldn't distinguish between Dresden and Dollar Store Kitsch. Everything precious was moved out of reach. Bedtimes were established and a breakfast routine was set in place that suited us all. Well, not all, but I adjusted so that I could rise earlier than the masses and get a little bit of me time with another glass of wine, as my guests so aptly put it, before the first class of the day. Morning prayers at the breakfast table. But let's return to my original concern, though. How was I going to distinguish school days from non-school days when they all took place at home? Of course, I had established some sort of routine in that we started early. Naturally, they got hungry around noonish, which by then official school had been declared finished, and the afternoons were spent taking the air until tummy rumblings around four, when tea was taken outside as a picnic in the park or a refreshing break in the back 40 amongst the wildflowers or flooded banks of the creek. On days that weren't weekdays, we changed things up. I didn't get up so early. The children ate their breakfast without parental supervision. Their blue-eyed dad braved the crowds at the local Chinese donut shop and brought home the choices that had been made the evening before and left as dear papa notes on the kitchen counter. I stayed in bed reading and drinking tea with my apple fritter, occasionally joined by a child or two, always in the company of the dog and cat, who begged shamelessly for bites of heavenly sweetness. The children would transition from cartoons to making their own movies, in or outdoors, depending on the weather, or they'd go play on the swing set in the days before swing sets were dangerous animals. By mid-morning, they were hungry again. Cereal and a donut just don't last long. And we'd make them second breakfast, usually a bagel or a muffin with an egg or bacon. Cups of milk all round and then naps for the younger ones while the old ones played quietly outside. After naps and before lunch, we'd do other things like Tai Chi or antique malls, fairs or arts and crafts exhibits, or take sandwiches to eat in cotton fields deep in the country. Oh, exciting stuff. Saturday evening, after the children's dinner, which was more often more elaborate than during the week, in that it featured fried chicken, creamed corn, mashed potatoes and milkshakes, eaten in the living room around the coffee table with a video on unheard of on weekdays. Notice that they did watch videos during this day to set it apart. Then the children would have their baths and disappear to their rooms, not to go to bed, but to play quietly while we cooked our own special dinner without interruptions. A date night is what this was, as we were later told by other parents when we finally started making adult friends. And you know what? I have rattled on for another short hour. I'm off to a do two-day retreat at Lake Dallas. Lots of Lenten quietness and meditation, plus beautiful grounds and a calm lake to sit next to and watch wearing my heavy winter coat wrapped around me. It's my fiancé son's birthday on Sunday, though I doubt we'll do much with the wedding plans in full swing, he is a year older and I'll be telling his this time 25 years ago story. I'll be back with another breathless show for you, same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Turgonet Radio, my guest this week, Kate Hall, and you, my faithful listeners. Don't forget to listen to Ali Lepreet on Mondays at 7 and you take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop.
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.